You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast, your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Cotton. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. This week, we are drinking two different beers. Um, I am going to be drinking something that uh, I think I mentioned this last time, but this sort of fits more of the weather that we're having currently here in California, thankfully. Finally, I actually see some drops falling onto the pavement back here. The rain is here. The uh, California wildfires that we've been dealing with hopefully will benefit greatly from the the uh, the reprieve of dry weather and wind. And the rain is now in. Um, so <laughs> for me, I've got a uh, the highly acclaimed Founders KBS, a flavored stout. Uh, this is a beer that I've never had. I haven't had any vintage of it. And the one that I have in particular is, has been bottled on uh, March 7th, 2018. And it comes in at 12.31, 12.3% alcohol by volume. Um, <laughs> Did, wait, does it actually say 12.31? No, or? no, the percentage uh, the, the percentage here, I don't know if you can see it in, in the video. It's just a little, yeah, you probably can't. It's just a little uh, kind of extremely accurate reading there. Yeah, it, it's written in a, a it's definitely printed on here, but I don't know, you know, what what type of font this is or, you know, what what it is intended to uh, to be. But it's kind of difficult to read uh, a bit, but it's supposed to be 12.3 percent ABV. This is listed as our 2018 release. So I will be checking into the 2018 vintage for this. And this is a part of Founders, of course, barrel-aged series. So they've got this nice little, like, foil-stamped barrel-aged series here on the top left-hand corner. This is sort of one of those, like, highly sought-after beers that I can't believe I haven't had before. It's along the lines of Hetty Topper and and, uh, the Westie 12 that we had a couple of episodes ago, where... It's kind of like, hey, how how did you how did you try twenty five hundred beers and not have and- <laughs> you know one of the literally highly acclaimed KBS? So that's what I'm gonna have. I'm gonna crack open to that now. That's really exciting. I'm going to not drink this straight from the bottle at twelve point three percent. I am going to pour it into a beautiful uh, light tulip glass. Tim, what do you have? I'm trying to, I'm going back right now to try and see um, if I, I feel like I've had KBS before. Um, I just don't remember. So now I'm trying to figure out which one it was. Okay. So yes, I was, I did have one. Um, I had it back. Okay. I had it back in a 2009 vintage. I don't remember where that came from. And I also had the 2015 vintage. So I have tried it, thankfully. One of those I remember whoever sent it to me, um, it, it wasn't stored the best. So they were worried that it wasn't going to shine as well as it should. But I remember it being really good. Uh, so I'm I'm a little jealous that you're all the way up there <laughs> in Northern California enjoying that KBS because I would love to have some. But I guess uh, I guess I'll just have to sit it out. I'll just, I'll just have to wait. Yeah, that's true. All right. So for me, um, I'm trying something completely new. For me, okay. That's I, um, 
I was at Bevmo, uh, which is, you know, for those who aren't aware, kind of like a, a big box um, wine, liquor, and beer store. Um, they're also, uh, in full transparency, they are a um, part of our business uh, platform. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for uh, tracking, you're looking to track down some beers, you can usually find your local Bevmo um, on Untapped and see what they actually have available. But when I was there, I was just going through looking for beers for the show a while back. And I came across this interesting can um, from Golden Road Brewing here in Los Angeles that I hadn't seen before. And I was just like, okay, that's new. I've never seen that. What is it? And I pick it up. And it's something called Brothers Brewed, which is a milk porter braggot, uh, which I had never, ever, 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 ever heard of before. Yeah. Um, and it took me a little bit to finally figure it out. Um, it's, it says here on the sign that it is made with 50% honey and 50% malt. So we'll, like I said, I'm going to dig deeper into this because I thought it would be really interesting to examine the style. Mm-hmm. But it falls into the mead family, and I've never actually had mead before. So it, it's an entirely new um, area for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, this recipe actually, it, it's a recipe from uh, Mark uh, Oberl and John Botisa uh, from San Diego, California. It was a part of the Beerland show, if you remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I think was on Vice, where they went around and talked with home brewers and brewed a beer. Right. And like the best one got brewed and canned by Golden Road. So it came from that whole um, series. It's got a, a 3.49 rating on Untapped with only 411 ratings. Wow, that's not much. Uh, is this something that folks would typically sell or uh, is it high ABV? What's uh, you said 7.5. So no, not not really. But does the sort of mead characteristic of it uh, lend itself more to cellaring? Is that why there aren't many check ins? You think mm, that's a that's a good question. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I did hmm. not find that. But now I've got to I feel like I need to go dig on like how long mead's supposed to last. Um, I believe people seller it, but I, again, I'm, I'm completely new to the mead <laughs> I, I think arena. The, the reason why is because it sounds like it's a 12th century beverage that has been <laughs> aged since then. And so we're, <laughs> we're thinking of, uh, I, I'm thinking of mostly those, uh, Budweiser commercials where I'd love the autumnal mead, please. And, and it's just a, yeah, here, here. it's really good. Let me, let me crack this open really quick. Oh, God, and it splattered. That's, that is a great sound. Uh, so you talked about the ratings on yours. In contrast to the 411 ratings that uh, your beer has, mine currently has 66,422 ratings with an average rating globally of 4.42. Uh, so <laughs> a, fun, a fun fact there, too, is that that's 66,000 ratings just for the 2018 release. Right. The right. The, the, the parent beer, which... Uh, is not a specific year um, that has 154,000. Um, and if you go back and let's see really quick, KBS 2017. If you go back to the KBS 2017 release, that had 80,000. So each year, I mean, you just look at how many there are. Yeah. Yep. That's, that is a pretty significant amount. You know what? I think the, the parent beer does not encapsulate all of the vintages within it. Um, but if folks are checking into sort of a, a vintage list version of that, that's where those are coming from. But this is interesting. So if you think about like last year's being 80,000, this year being 66, um, this to me seems like a beer that would be sellerable. This is something that I had originally intended to kind of keep at 55 degrees for the next couple of years. Um, but, you know, I, <laughs> there's there's probably a reason why 
folks do verticals and and you know try beer as it's fresh and then later on. So I'll most likely be able to get my hands on another 2018 release with 66,000 ratings. There's more than enough to go around, hopefully for for the folks who want it, and uh, it should be easy enough to go grab another 12 ounce bottle somewhere. So. That's probably what I'll do. I'll hold on to it. But uh, let's talk about the the actual taste of this beer. Let's 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 get into the drinking because uh, that's that's the fun part. <laughs> so mine is big, big imperial boozy nose, um, dark chocolate, lots of dark chocolate, sort of bitter um, on the nose, and coffee. Some some coffee, uh, but. More on like not roasty, not not uh, burnt or barbecuey or anything like that. Not smoky at all. Um, okay, definitely more on these sort of deeper, darker chocolate flavors. Um, the description does say that it is brewed with a massive amount of coffee and chocolate, then cave aged in oak bourbon barrels for an entire year. So that's pretty awesome. Wow, cave aged, much like a cheese, I suppose. Where are those Kentucky caves? Maybe I don't know where the Kentucky caves are, uh, but <laughs> no alcohol, no burn whatsoever. Smooth. It tastes like I melted down a like 85% chocolate and drank it. The lingering bitterness is super interesting at the end. The the finish is uh, it's got some hot bitterness to it, which is which is very peculiar uh, maybe like coffee bitterness a bit, but up front it is all chocolate, like com- completely chocolate. Maybe a little. Uh, my favorite word is effervescent, but it's it's a kind of a thin mouthfeel from what I would expect from a twelve point three percent. Yeah, you'd expect some like thick, very viscous. Not at all. This is smooth, incredibly frighteningly smooth, and uh, it's going to be set back down on the table. Uh, until we hear about your beer. <laughs> I wonder how it would compare to the uh, the CBS or Canadian Breakfast Stout. That's um, I've heard that that one is extremely maple sweet. It is. It is incredibly sweet. This is not sweet. It, this is, uh, like I said, kind of like Baker's Chocolate uh, on on the, the sweetness side. It's very, very light. Um, not at all what I expected um, from something that is barrel aged um it, it's it doesn't have that kind of like twingy barrel flavor if you if you kind of know what i mean where you know the the sourness of of a barrel aged beer can kind of linger um even with the you know stout styles and things like that it's um it's very subdued uh so maybe this is something that you know a young kvs is going to taste like this um where something that has been cellared for for quite a while um, may develop a little more on the coffee side or on the chocolate side. Uh, but I can't imagine it being any more mellow than this. Honestly, this is, this is kind of frightening. See, we'll see how it um, shapes up as it, it as warms. it warms up. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. probably will warm it up here a bit with my hands and, and see how it goes. All right. So this brother's brood, um, so we, I did mention that it's a braggot, um, but it's also, it's a milk porter braggot. And you'll you'll we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper into that in a minute, but the the whole sort of mead braggot style um, it lends itself to allow for pretty much any beer style to be used with it as well. 
Um, so that's the whole like 50% honey, 50% malt sort of thing. Um, so, you know, I poured it out. It's very dark. You can see it's probably about as dark as what you've got going on with that KBS over there. I can see my reflection in the dark uh, beer that you're drinking right there. It's very good. <laughs> it's got, it smells of a nice sort of light uh, porter. Um, it's It definitely has that chocolatey sort of roasty porter aroma coming off. There's no no fruitiness, hoppiness, anything that you would, the things that you obviously wouldn't expect from this, but. What about the sweetness? That's that's what I'm mostly curious about because when you think honey, um, you know, how much of that honey is turning into one fermentable sugars and and alcohol then um, at 7.5%, I think a lot more of that sweetness is going to linger in the glass, but that's just more of a, I've never tried this style either before. So I'm I'm very curious to hear about it. And in research um, for our style um, rundown later, there is a lot of talk about how people kind of, they they assume that there's going to be this sweetness in mead because it is honey and that's kind of a turnoff. Mm -hmm. But it it can be um, changed around so many ways with so many different flavors um, that it's not always going to just be this like sweet honey bomb. And I think the same is going for this one, which is, again, it's a 50-50 honey versus malt blend and it's very smooth and not sweet it's it seems really balanced because it's it's um it's sweet but not in like a chocolatey candy way Mm. um it's definitely like a a lighter honey sweetness um and it's balanced out by this roasty porter sort of characteristic that obviously being a, a honey base style milk porter combo it's pretty much exactly what i'd expect it's very smooth it's definitely got the carbonation or kyle's favorite word effervescence going on Mm -hmm. with the the kind of like bubbly splashing going on there i think these are just they're really pretty beers they are kind of good looking right this is um this is the kind of beer i want to see in my glass in late november early december we're recording uh a day before Thanksgiving and those kind of autumnal mead uh, vibes are kind of, (laughs) you know, they're becoming a part of how I want to cook, how I want to drink beer, um, more family. You know, it's kind of like a warming, that sort of sensation. I heard uh, that a lot of... um, ciders are being added to menus uh that i follow right now so though that that kind of thing like i'm not typically uh interested in in a cider much but when it comes to like hey it's christmas time or it's it's the holidays uh cider sounds spectacular exactly i i would bet the that kbs would pair really nicely with some pie but i don't have any pie no i don't have any pie oh shucks <laughs> a day early right um, yeah, I, I think it, this is really interesting. Um, again, I, it's something like it's a situation where I'm never had mead, so I don't have a base for it, but what's going on in here is very interesting. Like this bright flavor, um, kind of a mellow sweetness, but again, like I said, it, it balances out with the roasty chocolate of a milk, like a standard milk porter. So it's really interesting. And it got me into wanting to find out more. And I think this whole style is actually really interesting. So We'll move on into that in a moment. All right. Have any of you had this one? Let us know what you thought on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram by tagging us at Untapped. And I'd love to see 
what vintage of KBS uh, you've had in the past or um, maybe some some stories about uh, trying another, you know, putting a notch in your belt on the Wheel of Styles badge. I think that's that's something that that we try try and do more and more here on the show. And uh, and <laughs> Tim's beer sounds exactly like it's checking that box. All right, let's move on to our style of the week segment. And this week, of course, we are talking about the bracket. Yes, then this is uh, one of those very interesting sort of deeply historic beer styles. Um, and it, it again, it kind of it falls under the mead category. So mead, beer, which way do you look at it? Uh, and this one particularly has a little bit of like an identity crisis going on in there. It's said to be at least 9,000 years old. Mead is considered our most ancient intentionally fermented beverage. I love uh, – <laughs> we were talking about accidental fermentation and accidental pickles. Uh, this – Accidental pickles. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Can that be a band name? It could, It probably is. Just a, some sort of like garage rock kind of thing. 9,000 years old though. Uh, that's incredible. I, I – I don't know much about mead, nor have I really ever had it. Um, but this sounds like it's it's probably one of our most historic beverages that we've yes, covered here uh, on the show. Yeah, and honey, obviously, it's it's a natural sugar, and um, whoever decided to stick their hand in a beehive and pull some out, I'm sure that happened quite a long, long time ago. Um, it's it's been used throughout history as a primary source of sugar in people's diets, and obviously a fortifying agent in fermented beverages, as we found out here. Because if somebody eventually figured out that if you boil the sugars and all the fermentation process, um, and actually the famous hymn of Ninkasi, which is a pair of ancient Sumerian drinking songs um, paying ho- uh, homage to the brew goddess, highlights the process of making beer with the use of honey. Um, and then also ruins uncovered in the 1950s from the tomb of King Midas revealed traces of malted barley, honey, and grapes all in one drinking vessel. So one would assume that, you know, honey, barley, grapes, that went in to create some sort of alcoholic beverage. Interestingly enough, if you think about the word Midas and the world of craft beer, um, Dogfish Head might be coming to mind because mm-hmm. they actually recreated it in their widely available Midas Touch. They do make a number of different uh, ancient ales, I believe, as well. Uh, which is yes, that's a series. Sort of like yeah, it's kind of like in that category of beers, really that I don't know much about. Um, now, Braggit itself, it's an offshoot of mead, kind of falls under that category. It's uh, it's often associated historically with medieval Britain. A history of the style, like almost all beer history, is disputed. Some say that the word Braggit is of Welsh origin, and that Bragg means malt and Got means honeycomb which is interesting. This is falling under our discussion of the origins of Michelada now. Mm -hmm. Um, While others say the style is Irish and still others say that we have the English to thank for making Braga a celebratory concoction during Lent. Um, Many historians actually believe, though, that Braga probably dates all the way back to the first millennium BCE to the Picts, a tribe that ruled Scotland with an iron fist until the ninth century. Very interesting. Well, and you've got to think that uh, of the ingredients that are being used for this, this is probably, I mean, this is almost like currency, right? You've got barley constructs a, a, a majority of probably the 
uh, malted beverages that people are drinking to make water safe. Um, and also includes honey. And if honey is the main source of uh, sugar that people are getting in their diets at that time, that definitely makes sense that it would it would be part of a sort of like overwhelming empire in that whole time period. Yes, uh, that's makes that would be very true. Um, who he who has the ingredients to bruise the <laughs> concoction ruleth them all. Uh, so there are many names used to denote Braggot, including Braggot, Braggot, Bracket, Braggot, and Braggod. Um, and did you did, hold on? Hold on. Did you just use like autocorrect on all those? That can't be. That can't be right. <laughs> I know, right? This is this somebody. This is somebody trying to type it into their phone and getting back corrected. Um, they're all slightly different spellings. And I assume that there are probably slightly different pronunciations than I'm giving them. Sure. Um, so this is also another area of where it potentially came from. Um, these are all derived from Irish and Welsh roots, um, brach and brag, respectively, for the words to sprout in reference to the grain portion of the honey beverage. So that's also another interesting um, kind of word play on where the origins are. Uh, consumed widely in the Middle Ages, it was either ale wort fermented with honey, ale blended with fully fermented mead, or an ale laced with honey and spices. Basically, a braggot is a melding of mead and beer, which would make sense why this is a milk stout braggot because it's 50% honey, 50% malt, meaning, you know, 50% mead, 50% whatever the beer is. Mm -hmm. And that's basically braggot traditionally should be made with 50% honey and 50% malt, although it's not really a set rule. Um, and there are a bunch of different ways to make it too. Um, the honey can be blended into the beer during fermentation or it can be added to the brew kettle during boil. Um, braggot's also brewed uh, as one whole beverage and not typically a beer and mead blended after fermentation. Okay, that that was actually one of the things I was curious about, like especially in – Given the, I mean, we talked about micheladas last time and how those are, you know, sort of, they can be packaged sort of as one beer cocktail vessel. Um, yours is also sort of like a tall stovepipe can. And the tip, typically, you know, those are reserved for large format beers, things that are either mixtures or, you know, um, lower ABV. Uh, so I was curious to know if that was something that either happened during fermentation or something that was kind of blended afterwards. But that kind of, that then is, answers my question. Yeah, that's true. But it, to like, to counter that though, some say that, it, you know, a tavern can just make its own blend of braggot by mixing the beer, mead, and spices right at the bar. So that was another way hmm. that it was also created. So similar to what we were talking about, you can have it either prepared for you or you can have it brewed all as one. It sounds like traditionally if you're making it, then it's going to be brewed. But if you want something a little more uh, uh, a little more bespoke, I think is the word I'm ah, looking for yes. there. <laughs> Artisanal, yes. Artisanal. Then you can have the, uh, the barkeep mix one up for you. Although I don't think that actually happens today. But, you know, it, think back to ancient times and pubs. and It, it sounds you know, a little bit like taking, uh, you know, barrel-aged sours and mixing, you know, vintages so that you kind of get a nice balanced uh, flavor from it rather than uh, just having one straight and expecting it to kind of, you know, be exactly how you want it to taste. And there are actually, I mean, we've talked about, I, I'm, I'm blanking right now on the exact style, but we talked about a couple of styles where their origins, while now they're brewed as a specific style, their origins actually come from a bartender mixing two separate things. Right, right.
How, so speaking of the bartender, what kinds of stuff kind of goes into one of these beers? Is it, are we talking like Clamato and ice? What are we, <laughs> what are we talking about? Well, obviously honey and then whatever the malt and beer ale concoction is, but they can also have herbs and spices added, um, which makes sense for a lot of the ancient beers, you know, mm-hmm. working with natural ingredients that you find around you. Um, so, so there are some things like coriander, nutmeg, star anise, uh, juniper berries and cloves. They, they can also be added to kind of give it more of the depth of flavor. That sounds really, really good. I'm actually Googling feverishly now to find out if there are any recipes utilizing uh, either mead with those ingredients or, you know, the the bracket style in particular for baking or for, you know, something like that, because it, it does sound like it would lend itself very well. We mentioned pie earlier. Can you imagine like a, a uh, milk uh, milk porter bracket pie where you're getting kind of like the uh, the honey characteristics and sort of the roasty malty flavors uh, along with all of the coriander and, you know, the spice characteristics that are uh, typical for kind of the uh, U.S. fall slash winter that we're about to enter here. I was just going to say what you're basically describing sounds like a very like the perfect holiday uh, treat almost because all of those spices, I mean, I guess juniper berries aside, perhaps, but, you know, coriander, nutmeg, star anise and cloves, that's sound that just basically screams like holiday, winter, roasty, mm-hmm. just deliciousness. Now, as far as, um, as far as you know, once you actually have, have your beer brewed, um, Bragg can actually be packaged still or carbonated, which I thought was interesting. I can't imagine a still beer, personally. Um, it's not something that I would really want. But, I mean, it makes sense because, I, and I can't, again, I can't speak to mead and I feel very, I feel like I'm faking it a little too much right now because I, I can't speak to mead. But I'm not sure... If that, I believe a portion of meat isn't carbonated. That is, yeah, I, uh, you mean you're talking like after it's been sort of packaged or it's been uh, stored or in terms of like the carbonation that forms naturally in the beverage. Uh, I'm talking, you can either put it into, you can either carbonate it like you would a beer um, mm-hmm. or it could become, you know, still uh, without anything. Um, but they do say that uh, carbonation can add another nice kind of counterbalance to the sweetness and help bring some of the aromas from the honey. So you mm. get that sort of um, the fizzing effervescence that the carbonation would add that helps kind of mellow out and balance everything as well as carry some of the honey aroma to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, as uh, hops gained acceptance in the British Isles, they too found a home in Braggett. Uh Besides having honey and malted grains in a beverage uh, with the qualities of both meat and beer marking the character, the array of braggots are nearly as wide as the number of beer styles. So that that basically what you're looking at is like, again, you're you're combining a mead with a beer and there are so many beer styles that you could combine it with that it's it's like a whole subgenre of a subgenre, which I think is very interesting, too. Yeah, I think my favorite part, uh, just kind of reading through about mead and and brackets, is that uh, you can utilize very local uh, ingredients for something like this, even if you don't grow, uh, you know, hops or barley or anything like that near you, you can still usually, uh, in most places, get local honey 
And that local honey can add such a unique flavor to whatever it is that you're making that uh, it's it's hard to recreate that, right, at, at a particular scale. It is so very specific to the place that you got it from. Um, and so I like I kind of like that that feeling for for beers. I like the fact that this style is so extensible that we haven't even tried many of them, if any, ever. Uh, it's another another one of those things that I eventually need to kind of dip my toes into and uh, and immerse myself in. Honey is is actually I need to immerse myself in honey. Just kind of a bath, maybe like a spa experience. Just kind of lower myself into uh, <laughs> a large vat of honey. And then the bees show up. And then <laughs> okay, Winnie the Pooh. Oh, bother. On that note, though, Braggit isn't simply made by adding a sizable portion of honey to your favorite beer recipe, as you know some might think. Um, the ultimate goal is a beverage that perceivably... Er, the ultimate goal is a beverage with perceivable honey and beer qualities... Basically, uh, they complement each other, though not necessarily equally present. So instead of just a beer with honey, which I mean basically just becomes a, a beer with honey, you're trying to get a nice balance of all of the characteristics in there, um, you know, between the malt, the hops, the yeast, the honey, so that it, it's something completely unique. Well, and speaking of unique, um, I'm taking a look at some of the top rated uh, mead beers here on Untapped right now. And... Uh, it looks like there is just a, a huge, wide variety. Some that are dry herbed and brewed with fresh sage and lavender. Um, some that are uh, a mixture of, like we've been saying, um, malt and honey, um, including hops. Some that are aged in Sauvignon Blanc barrels. Things like that, right? There's a lot, like you said, uh, that folks are doing with this particular style. And it's so extensible that there's almost no end to to the creativity that you can do with this this particular uh, set of ingredients. Yeah, to that point, uh, we see beers that are starting to be brewed with more earthy tones like sage and, you know, different herbs. But this is a style I believe that really like, not necessarily the braggot, but meat in general, you see a lot more um, earthy, herby, um, variants that are, you know, spinning off of that, really sticking to a lot of the natural ingredients there. Um, and to think, you you said, like, dry saged, I think, mm-hmm. for one of them. I, it's kind of funny. You think, like, dry hopping, just dry throw a bunch herb, of sage in fresh there. Sage. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really interesting. <laughs> um, on the note of top beers, I did look at the top five braggots on Untap. Okay. Uh, the first one is Iridium Flare. Uh, from Bottle Logic, which was part of their Week of Logic preview. Mm-mm. Now, I feel like Bottle Logic gets high notes on pretty much anything they make. So, you know, I, I want to take that one with a grain of salt. I did not get, I, I haven't had any of these, obviously. Tart brightness um, of Marion Berries, boozy and bold uh, from its time in bourbon barrels. So, <laughs> a very unique beverage. Yeah. And I, not on the top five, but on the note of Marion Berries, Rogue actually makes a Marion Berry braggot that uh-huh. I saw when I was doing my research. So that might be, I'm not sure how often that's made, but that might be a widely available one. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the top five here, we have three from Surly Brewing Company. Uh, the number three on the list, its uh, name is in Bulgarian, so I don't exactly know how to pronounce it, but I did a translate on it, and it says, um, the side of the ribbon, um, 
BA, so I'm going to guess barrel-aged, and Shiraz, so maybe barrel-aged in Shiraz barrels. Yeah. Uh, from 2018, and this is from a place called fourbrewers.ru, and this is the number fourbrewers.ru, not the podcast with our friend John Holzer, <laughs> Four Brewers. Uh, number four here is Nepenthes Hydromelita, blend number one, and this is coming from OEC Brewing. So this was the one I was mentioning that is uh, with fresh sage and lavender. Interesting. The uh, The last on the top five here is Miss Behavior. Uh, with B-E-E as in a buzzing B. Mm-hmm. I like the play there. And this is from Jay Weekfield Brewing. So that's another one that we know pretty regularly here in the States. I mean, overall, it's it's really interesting because, as we said, it's a blend of two very interesting separate styles in and of itself. But again, with that whole half of the blend being whatever subgenre of beer you want. So it's like you said, it's very extensible, um, it's very interesting, and it's a style that now that I understand what it is, uh, I'm going to look out for because if you if you like beer, then obviously you like beer. If you like mead, but you don't like beer, then you like mead. But this seems like a really good in between, so maybe you can you know work your way and transition over. Um, because now I I feel the need to go track down some mead. I feel the need the need for mead, uh, okay. uh, and I got to go I got to go track <laughs> some down and see what that's all about. Um, but for, for a first time kind of transition, this is a nice way to like work your way over and get the best of both worlds. I also love that they bounce between like 12%, 15.6%, 7, 17%, 11, 8.8. It's, it's kind of all over the board, peanut butter and chocolate. Um, so this is one that I am sorry I'm missing out on the one that you're trying because this would, again, like I said, uh, be one of those that I could add to my Wheel of Style uh, badges and, uh, and, and you know, tick off my list. But we'll have to, have to keep an eye out. You have something I want. I have something you want. And, you know, tough. What are we doing here? Why? <laughs> All right. So let's take a look at uh, one of the recent releases of the Untapped app. We recently released on Monday of the week that this is being released, version 3.3.8. And this includes a number of improvements and also a huge amount of fixes. Uh, Honestly, more than I could have put into our release notes uh, because we're limited on on a number of characters there. But um, I think one of the probably most timely fixes is that we have added support for the iPhone XS Max resolution. We heard from users who said, hey, I got this brand new device. It does not look right when I am in Untapped. It was just a little bit bigger, right? A a tiny bit scaled up. So we have fixed that. We have the uh, correct splash screens and resolutions in there. So your keyboards and navigation elements should be the regular size now on that brand new device. Uh, In terms of improvements, though, I think one of the biggest ones is the brand new Discover search box and scan button. It's going to be the first thing you notice when you update your app. And uh, Tim, you worked on this specifically. Um, What were we trying to accomplish with this feature? And uh, what can users expect? Sure. So for for um, existing users, 
um, really what we did was we increased the size. So let's a little backup um, on the Discover screen, which is the first screen you see when you load up the app, unless you've gone into advanced settings and switched to start on your social feed. Um, up at the top, we had a standard sort of UI search bar. And that was really the core of what you did. You came to Untap to search for a beer or a brewery or a venue. Um, and honestly, that search bar was a little tiny. Um, I'm not. I don't want to like knock on the standard UI because obviously um, there's something good there coming from these companies if uh, if that's what they have across all their devices. But it's just it wasn't it wasn't standing out. Um, obviously, for the new user, you come on board and you don't necessarily know what you're doing right up front and there's just this tiny search bar do you do that do you dig down into a menu etc cetera, etc cetera. so what our goal here was was to really emphasize that search bar so instead of being a tiny standard ui um, it's now a nice big present box right when you load it up it's at the top still but it stands out quite a bit more um, the scan button is now nice and pops out um, with our little barcode icon and a little blue button there to make it more actionable um, and really, like I said, the goal here really is just to make that whole search function, which is what you're going to come to Untap to do most likely, uh, stand out and be more accessible. Yep. And along with that, uh, we have also added a new barcode scanner. So when you do tap that big blue scanning button now, uh, it'll take you to a much faster, much more accurate scanner uh, that should get you checking in beers, uh, hopefully a lot faster. Um, I just used it now to check in my KBS. What's that? I'm going to test it out right now too. Yeah, I just used it to check in my KBS and it was incredibly fast. Like it looks still like a blur on the screen when you move your phone over, but it captures the UPC, puts it in our system and hopefully returns a beer. If for some reason the UPC that you're looking for um, isn't in our system, you can then search for the beer and we'll associate the two after that i just i just tried it out and um it was like less than half a second it barely focused on the barcode and and i didn't even have to turn my phone i took it i kept it vertical and scanned the barcode horizontal and it picked it up that way too so that was spectacular yeah any any orientation sideways you know uh the bottle can be up and down it doesn't matter it should hopefully grab an image of that upc and return the beer for you uh, speaking of searching, though, we also added a highly requested feature for search on badges. So if you go to your beer venue and special badge pages on your profile, there is a search box at the top now, and you can search to see whether or not you've earned particular badges. Uh, we are using the badge name in this instance to return uh, the badge that you're looking for. So if you search for IPA, you will get the badges that have IPA in the name. We've also kind of clarified a few things on your profile. When you add a item to a list from within a list, there was some confusion around uh, the cancel versus done process there. So we've simplified that whole flow so that when you add an item to your list, it adds it straight away and then you edit the details after that. Hopefully that clears things up uh, during that process. But we're obviously open to feedback, and we want to hear what you think about all these brand new features, you can head over to the App Store today, update your apps either on iOS or Android, and uh, tap the feedback button in settings if you've got something specific that you'd like to tell us. Or, of course, you can always send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram about your experience. We'd love to hear. It. 
Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, growlers, and more. There's a lot more over at store.untapped.com. And if I do say so myself, it is a great place to get holiday gifts for the people you love. So you can go to store.untapped.com, enter the coupon code podcast at checkout and get 20% off all orders. And it also shows your support for this show right here. It lets them know that uh, you heard about the store on the Untapped podcast. That's store.untapped.com, coupon code podcast at checkout to get 20% off. All right, let's take a look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. All right, our first article is coming to us from uprocks.com. This is the best beer to pair with every stage of your Thanksgiving meal. Um, Obviously, this is not going to be as timely because I should have put this in last week's show. And now I'm realizing that maybe it was pointless to put it in here. But I liked reading the article. I thought it was really interesting. So if you happen to have leftovers or you're going to have a second Thanksgiving dinner or if you just want to get prepared early for next year, I figured we'd run through this just because it was fun. Or if you have a time machine and just go back in time, take this episode with you and uh, share share the the knowledge with, I guess, past you who is hopefully cooking some sort of spectacular dinner. So the article starts off with Thanksgiving is a great time to enjoy some serious beer. I would fully agree with that. Um, with all those earthy flavors on display, you can totally turn the holiday into a full-blown beers giving if you want. And while wine is a pretty standard accompaniment for any big meal, beer is ready to stand in for any wine pairing at your tea day table. Now, they run through, they don't necessarily talk about in this article what beer pairs well with what like food from the meal. It's more in a stage of the the day of the meal, which I thought was really fun. And also the way that they, uh, they break out these uh, different things. So the first part of the day is the, the welcome to the party beer. The recommendation here is Aliash uh, Curia. Okay. All right. So something something lighter, right? Like, isn't that a white ale? Am I mistaken? Uh, no, this is actually one of this. This is a bourbon barrel aged um, beer. I believe it's a oh, quad, okay. but I'm not sure. Let me. Oh, no. It's a Belgian triple. There we go. Sorry. So it's a bourbon barrel aged Belgian triple. So this is a pretty heavy one. Um, okay. 11% yeah, yeah. on the bottle label in the picture. Um, but every good party starts with a welcome drink. Um, them's the rules, yo. Uh, traditionally, you'd offer the guests a glass of champagne or local, local sparkling wine. Um, but their recommendation is to swap out the bubbly for a bourbon barrel aged triple. Uh, this is a mellow ale with an effervescence. There you go. That's light, um, heady, and easy to sip. I am going to be on the sofa in a puddle if that is my first beer at Thanksgiving. That's for sure. I know that. And you're going to, but you're going to miss out on everything. All right. What, give me the next one. The, the next one up here is the Game Time Beer, and they list Pilsner Yukel, which uh, that's a pretty light, yes, easy boys. drinker, um, traditional Pilsner. Uh, there will be games, whether you're planning on watching a little NFL or busting out a deck to play Magic the Gathering or even playing some footy yourself in the backyard. You'll need an easy drinking beer. So Pilsner Yukel, it's one of the best easy drinkers out there. They say light amber beer has a clean taste and goes down almost too easily. I will definitely second mm-hmm. that. Um, it, again, it's a very traditional, um, delicious Pilsner. We we covered this a while back, but it, it's one of the first um, mass-produced Pilsners, and it's 
still holds up and stands the test of time. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite Pilsners of all time. The next one here is the First Course Beer. They recommend Upslope Spruce Tip IPA. Yes, 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 yes. This was one that we were not able to get on our hands uh, during GABF. It was one that I definitely wanted. They set up an entire tent in the middle of the Colorado wilderness to first debut this beer. Uh, we were there like a week before they were going to do this. And I am just, I, I'm reeling from the fact that this is one that I will not ever have. But I do know that uh, Fort George made a spruce tipped beer, which is by far one of my favorite beers of all time. I believe I've actually had that Fort George now that you mention it. Yep. It's got a, I believe, a king and queen on the front. It's a, a, a very, very, very good beer. Oh, maybe you could sub that one out for yourself. Um, the, the first course of any Thanksgiving feast is an introduction of things to come. Uh, pumpkin soups, rich pate smeared on freshly baked bread, a little bit of smoked goose breast, capaccio with salad, deviled eggs, and so on. Oh, I can't. All right. <laughs> anyway, the recommendation is the Spruce Tip IPA. It's just the beer to drink here. Um, it's a nice lightness at play with the beer, especially for a fairly heady IPA. Uh, the hops and spruce tips bring a mellow, dank, and piney, earthy bitterness to each sip. So I can see how the earthy kind of tones of the spruce tips would really play well with a lot of um, those earthy foods that you're expecting. The next one up here is the Yo, It's Turkey Time beer. They're recommending Saison DuPont. Interesting. Okay. Uh, this is this is the big reveal: turkey, potatoes, stuffing, sweet potatoes, all the cranberry sauce, and maybe even a scoop or two of mac and cheese. Needs a light yet and subtle yet powerful beer that goes with a wide array of flavors and textures. Yep. Uh, this is a saison dupont. It's a Belgian masterpiece. Uh, it's versatile and freaking delicious. They say. Oh, it also comes in 0.75 liter wine bottles, meaning you can open up a few bottles and share them around the table. Uh, There's a yeast dryness at play here that feels like an orchard post-harvest. It's big and super refreshing. I would would also say it's kind of bready. You know, it's kind of got that yeasty, bready quality to it. And so if you don't... You don't need the rolls. Yeah, if you don't have uh, cornbread at the table, that may be your uh, next best... Choice. I'll be honest, the the rolls and butter is one of my favorite parts. And in our in our mm-hmm. house, we do the the King's Hawaiian rolls. And I mean Hawaiian not. Exactly. It's it's may not be the most traditional, but man, is it delicious. And let me tell you, the next day making turkey sliders with those things, oh yeah. Uh, do you grill them up? Are they warm? Are they uh I mean lightly warmed in the oven, perhaps. Okay. Um yeah. But nothing too fancy. All right. The next one up here is the break before I reboot this meal beer. And their recommendation, water. Basically, uh, it's break time. Uh, a lot of these beers are pretty heavy hitting ABV wise. It's time to put a little, uh, put the plate and mug down and drink some water, which I like that. A nice little break in the middle. Uh, I searched for that on Untapped and I didn't find it. Is there, we don't have um, Evian listed? Or, yeah. No. What ABV um, is that one? I think, it's, it, I think it falls under non-alcoholic. Got it. Okay. Uh, searching. No. Just, mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, since you can't find it, let's move on. The next one up yeah. here is the Let's Do Round 2 beer. They're uh, recommending Elysian Bifrost. Another one that I have not had before. Mm, it's a winter ale. Um, we know you're going back for seconds. You know you're going back for seconds. Just go back for seconds with no shame. Uh, Bifrost hits that nail on the head. It's a bold winter ale that combines earthy hoppiness with bright orange zest while maintaining an edge of ale malt bready sweetness, which is basically what you described as kind of really fitting in there, that sort of bready malty thing. Yeah, that sounds really good. I think the the winter ale slash winter warmer um, type beers are 
going to also make an appearance at this year's festivities for me. The next stage uh, from this list here is the now I will jam my face full of cheese beer. And I think that's that's your favorite section of the day. Sorry. Was it where is does that word end? Is it cheese beer or beer? Jam my face full of cheese beer or jam my face full of cheese beer? Yeah, yeah. it's it's the latter one. It's the the beer that you would have while jamming your face full of cheese. Uh, They're recommending Deschutes Jubilee. Uh, okay, let's see. Jubal. I actually have a 2016 variant in my fridge right now of the Jubilee. Maybe I'll have to try that out. That is one that I have not had either. They say cheese is a great digestive after any protein and carb-heavy meal. A little gorgonzola, a little hard parmesan, a little fresh gouda go a long way with some nuts and spicy cranberry chutney. Uh, basically, they say you need a beer like Deschutes Winter Jubilee. There's a real warming spice that feels like winter. Uh, the beer has a great balance between that spice and that light hop darkness and a clean maltiness that shines. Man, that sounds like such a good pairing. Added to my wish list. Good call. Uh, the next one up here is the Who's Ready for Pie beer. And they recommend Family Business Beer Co., uh, the Grackle Imperial Stout. Now, this is a brewery I have not heard of, so this is very interesting. You you probably don't think it's possible right now, but trust us, you will eat pie. At some point during that card game or convo about this or that, your eyes will wander over to the table where there's pie. I mean, I will, yes, you can eat all the Thanksgiving meal you want and there's still going to magically be room for pie. Yeah, this all sounds really good. I think probably wrapping up with a 10% ABV beer is going to happen no matter what, but uh, (laughs) that does sound like a pretty overwhelming Thanksgiving. I, I definitely recommend you know, stay safe, everyone. Uh, enjoy. Hopefully, everyone stayed safe during their Thanksgiving. Obviously, it's a week ago now, but uh, this is this is a very very good list that I'm just gonna have to kind of pocket away, save it for next year, and uh, I'd love to see if these actually do go well with those parts of the meal. You know, I think there's there may be a little bit of. Uh, we need some some empirical evidence. We need some proof here. Yep. If anybody wants to take on the challenge, let us know uh, because that would be really interesting. Speaking of beers that fit the season, our next article coming from usatoday.com is Black Friday means beer for fans of Goose Island's bourbon barrel aged stouts. Uh, while many will flock to malls and department stores after Thanksgiving to get a head start on their holiday shopping list, a legion of beer lovers will, rind- will line up to secure their own liquid treasure – Goose Island's Bourbon County brand stout beers. This is another one of those uh, bourbon barrel aged beers that I have never had before. Wait, no, and what, I am what, so, what, whoa. I am Nothing? so very much never? looking forward to trying at least one of these this season. Are you kidding me? Um, yeah, this is. <laughs> oh, hold on. Let me go over to my box of cellared beers sitting here. I got a 2016 sitting right here. I believe that one does have my name on it. Yes, it does. It's all yours. You just got to come back and get it. <laughs> uh, so the Chicago Brewery, which, uh, as we know, was acquired by Anheuser-Busch in 2011, uh, began making a stout aged in bourbon barrels in 1995. They were actually the first brewery to make bourbon barrel aged stouts, which I think is super interesting. Uh, and then six to, since 2010, Goose Island has made its release of the original Bourbon County brand stout and additional flavor variants into a nationwide Black Friday event. 
Now I've I've had it, and I'm looking. Let's see what have I had. I've had a few years of it. Um, going through my list here. I love that every year it's different. Um, you know what's released. Yes. Uh, but they also kind of have these staples, right? It's like you got the propagator, got the you know you've got sort of the. I'm sure you'll get into this, but there are uh, a number of beers that make an appearance every single year, and I think that is that is really cool to kind of you know split your uh shopping time it's still very uh what's the word still very of the season of the time very capitalistic right of uh the the it's what we're used to here in the u.s black friday is like the shopping day of the year and why not why not just shop for beer as of monday there were people already in lawn chairs in front of the best buy in my neighborhood so that's that is just it's insane that is incredible yeah it's it, i think insane's the word you're looking for anyway yeah um i've had, no. i've had at least three years of variance here i think 15 16 17 i have obviously not had 18 since it's just coming out and a couple of the variants but anyway um this year they're actually releasing eight different variants uh, of the bourbon county brand stout line um obviously first up they have their original bourbon county brand stout um, which is the staple, the one that you go to. Uh, they also have a reserve Bourbon County brand stout, which is basically the same recipe as the uh, Bourbon County. We're going to go BCBS just to shorten it up here. Um, but aged mm -hmm. in 12-year-old Elijah Craig barrel-proof bourbon barrels, which that sounds pretty spectacular. I loved them in uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the next one is one that they've done before, the Proprietor's Bourbon County brand stout. Um, it's just a richer, chocolatey um, variant on there. Uh, they're also doing a Bourbon County brand wheat wine, which is made from two-row and malted wheat. Um, and Bourbon County, it's basically the Bourbon County brand uh, wheat wine is making its debut this year. That one's kind of an interesting spin on it. Uh, they also have the Vanilla Stout coming out. Uh, uh, in addition, they also have the Bourbon County brand Bramble Rye Stout, which is the original BCBS aged in rye whiskey barrels. And then uh, they add raspberry and blackberry juice and puree from Michigan and Washington. Oh, what? So you're getting that like yes, deep please. roasty alcohol chocolate mixed with these blackberries and raspberries. Okay. All right. Count me in. Another one that they're doing that I believe is new this year is the Bourbon County brand coffee barley wine. So it's an English-style um, barley wine, meaning uh, it's malt forward, and it's aged in four-year-old uh, Heaven Hill bourbon barrels before they add La Soledad coffee beans, which they flew down with the people from Intelligentsia to Guatemala to pick out. That is incredible. Wow. The, the last one in the lineup, too, is the... Uh, Bourbon County brand Midnight Orange Stout. They combined orange and chocolate for this one. Um, the chocolate complements the uh, BCBS base, and then the orange zest offers a point of contrast for a bold new flavor profile, which I think is that sounds really interesting. Kind of like a you know chocolate and orange. I feel like has always been a thing, so they're kind of going for that angle here. That is very very interesting. I all of these sound incredible. Um, they sound well worth whatever weight the line is going to be. Uh, and they also sound like a welcome reprieve from sort of all the, all the shopping folks, uh, that'll be out on Friday. So good luck anyone who is going out to grab these. Uh, but there is probably 
one other perk that we've got for you with these. It's not just the beer. Yes, there are. Starting today, we actually have three brand new badges that are associated with the Bourbon County release. Uh, They are related to the original BCBS as well as a couple of the variants. Uh, So you should head over to our blog to get all the details. Um, We'll be sure to include a link in the show notes, and that will give you a heads up on how you can unlock all three of those. And when Tim says today, that means today as in podcast time. They are available, and you can earn them as you are listening to this yes, right they, now. Yes, they are available as more specifically from November 21st, which is today, through the end of the year, which is December 31st. Our last article this week comes from fastcompany.com, and it is O'Doul's new can is pure Instagram bait. So I thought this article fit in quite well with our discussion about brands that want to get on Instagram as well as the um, resurgence of lower ABV drinks. Uh, Most of us know O'Doul's as that weird beer in the corner of the bodega cooler. Released in 1990 as a non-alcoholic alternative for people who wanted beer without the booze, it's since become something of a cultural punching bag. Yeah, yeah. I think it also kind of somewhat became a punching bag in uh, a couple episodes ago when we were talking about uh, low alcohol beers and O'Doul's just kind of slipped in there as the like, hey, there's that weird beer that nobody orders when you're at a baseball stadium. <laughs> and I, I, I see it on the menu at places and it's just it's one of those things you're like, OK, well, I know what you are and I definitely don't want that. But things are changing. Uh, many of us uh, would like to have a social experience of drinking without actually drinking, uh, suggesting that part of O'Doul's bad rap might be its green and gold branding, which portrays it as kind of like a faux Irish lager rather than embracing its role as a beer alternative. That is exactly what it looks like. It looks like a TV beer that no one actually drinks. Exactly. Remember, we, we covered an article um, a, a while back about that one TV brand beer that... Uh, I think about that literally every single time I watch it <laughs> because it's it it does feel like it is almost like so self-indulgently branded that it it becomes a a parody of itself. It's like a fake version of itself. And that's that is only entirely on the branding that has I have never tried it. It, it is it not a uh Whatever. I'm not trying to disparage the flavor or the idea of non-alcoholic beer, but just simply on the branding, it looks like a fake TV beer. That's so true. And what's going on here is uh, in anticipation of something called the Blackout Wednesday, uh, which is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving when many college students come home and party. I've never heard of that. Have you heard of that? Well, I'm uh, a whole bottle of KBS down right now on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So, uh... We're close, Tim. We're real close. You're doing a good job. Um, The Amheuser-Busch Corporate Social Responsibility Department, they actually developed a potentially brilliant marketing play for this uh, this Blackout Wednesday. In select bars across Manhattan, they'll be experimenting with a new limited edition O'Doul's can designed by a celebrated graphic designer, Mr. Kiji. Um, Instead of the green and gold, uh, Kiji reimagined the can with quirky geometric patterns and retro pastels. If you haven't opened this link, you need to now because it is so beautiful. So on first glance, the one on the far right, if you kind of scroll down the article, um, it looks very reminiscent of like a um, package of film, something that you would have received uh, Polaroids in before you before you loaded them into your camera. It's got that original Instagram icon feel. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. It, like they said, kind of pastels, sort of geometric, but also in like an almost British kind of way. Like it's got kind of that um, Premier League soccer look to it, kind of, but with rainbows on it. Um, it's it's an, an interesting look. Yeah. And the typography, they say, looks more like something out of a zine than a label for a beer can. And the whole design is pure Instagram bait. So, you know, millennials love to Instagram and millennials don't want a lot of booze. It sounds like a brilliant play to me. This is, this is uh, not speaking to me, uh, but it is definitely speaking to a time, to a generation that is looking for a particular thing. Uh, it's very, very interesting. I do want to comment on the one in the middle. Um, that's kind of got this uh, like almost Mars brewing from Chicago vibe to it. Um, and maybe a little bit of of Mickler, uh from L.A. sort of vibe yeah. as well. I love the middle one more than I, I do the one on the right. Um, but it just the one on the right is leaning more towards this new like the new stuff that Almanac's been putting out for their hazies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Bit of a checker pattern, kind of geometric. But see, that's the thing. It, the, the the market and the shelves are now saturated in just over-the-top, beautiful cans, 16-ounce geometric patterns. There are, there is rarely the beer name on them anymore. Um, It it is just an art project inside of a cooler. And O'Doul's is sort of taking that to heart, I think. And, And well enough, like they are listening and they are trying to react to the market. And I think from that, point of view, it is a very interesting uh, thing that they're doing here. Yeah. And so there's a quote in here from Adam Warrington, who's the vice president of corporate social responsibility at Anheuser-Busch. He says, I came into the role a few months ago when we were looking across our portfolio. We have over 100 brands and you can imagine we don't have the, we don't give the same priority to all those brands when we have Budweiser, Bud Light, and Goose Island. Uh, but then we have Oduls. At 28 years old, there's a level of equity in the brand, but it's not a new brand. It's been there for a while, and it's been untouched for a couple decades. So according to Anheuser-Busch metrics, only about a, th- a third of millennials have ever actually tried non-alcoholic beer. And um, Warrington admits that O'Doul's is not on the radar for most of them. Uh, but that's strange in a way given that young people largely seem to be drinking alcohol less often than previous generations, while cultural movements uh, like mindfulness, daybreaker parties, and mocktails are in. I think the fact that there's also a, a quote-unquote holiday for the day before Thanksgiving for blacking out is enough of a signifier that says like, hey, maybe we should walk this back a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like obviously at Untapped, we are all about the the uh, moniker of please drink responsibly, always drink responsibly. And this is you know more of that this helps to sort of sell that that idea uh to a generation that may be like they're on the cusp of like i'm in college but i'm not in college anymore and now i'm getting into adulthood and we're (laughs) i don't want as many calories i can't keep up anymore um there's a number of factors that are going into this the lead here though is instagram right and instagram is all about the image. And if you are able to portray yourself as both the, uh, like, I'm the cool person here drinking this cool looking beer, but also I'm highly responsible and look how, look how adulting, uh, well I am doing. Uh, 
that's like that also goes kind of towards uh, being a, a billboard for O'Doul's and being part of more of the the culture of a generation. Less so of ours, I think. Uh, I guess you and I are still kind of considered millennials, but on on sort of the like outer part of the spectrum, I think. Yes, that's for sure. Um, I mean, and I'll be honest, I would probably only go for this purely to check out the can and to Instagram it as opposed to actually drink it because I'm worried about having a low alcohol beverage. Um, but obviously, as Kyle said, and I'll echo, drink responsibly. No, no, please just do it. Um, it's very important. And, um, you know, if you are going out and you're looking for uh, if you're in Manhattan and you're going out and you're looking to party, but, you know, keep it on the sober side. This is a very interesting way to do it, and we look forward to seeing some of these on Instagram. All right, show notes are available at podcast.untap.com. And if you've got any questions for us, be sure to connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at Untapped Everywhere. And again, if you're looking for a great holiday gift, be sure to go over to store.untapped.com. Use the coupon code podcast. It shows your support for this show and also for Untapped. Until next week. Cheers. Cheers.